This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. And I'm your co-host, Kaylin Less. This is our second episode of Q&J. This is an idea that came out of interacting with so many of you in our community. You have questions as you go on your journey to living the one thing. And we wanted to create an opportunity to sit down with one of the co-authors, Jay Papasan, to have a conversation about the questions that you are asking. You will notice a theme in this conversation today. With all that's going on in the world with the pandemic, people are really struggling with having a relationship with their goals because the world has changed and we're questioning, are our goals still achievable? Do some of our goals still matter? And if we want to be committed practice leaders of the one thing, how do we get clarity on what our goals are moving forward? And how do we have a relationship with them so that every single week we know we're knocking the dominoes down that automatically put us on track for living the kind of life we want to be living? You'll hear us talk about this more, but a lot of our answers stem from a model that we teach people every single year around our goal setting retreat series. And you're going to hear that right now with all the changes that are happening, we have found a way to make this available to you right now virtually. And that can be applied to you if you want to do this with your significant other. It also applies if you want to do it as an individual or as a team. You'll learn more by going to the one thing.com slash set my goals. With that, let's get into this episode of Q&J. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Kaylin, you've been investing a lot of time with our community. What's What are the questions that you're seeing come up? I think we're all asking a lot of questions. And one that is a theme that people have asked in different ways is... This is from Charlie. And it's one version, a variation of the same question. It's, I know the one thing says to time block my time off first. But financially, things are very tight and uncertain. How do I justify the expense of taking time off with my family when I feel like my one thing right now is to provide for them? So what do you think, guys? Time off is a weird one right now, right? Well, I think that um, we may have addressed this in the first Q&J in a very small way. But the longer we're in this period, the more germane this question becomes, right? It's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And if we're going to achieve great things, you have to rest. That's one of the reasons we say time block your time off. I do think that we need to acknowledge the reality of the situation. It's unlikely that a lot of us are buying plane tickets and we're taking big chunks of time off that are expensive. So let's rethink what we mean by time off. Um, The essence of time off 
doesn't have to be a trip to to Tahiti. I mean, I love travel. That's great. But the point of it all, I believe, is to create memories with people um, and also to get away from your current environment. And so you can ask the question, how can I get a break um, without breaking the bank? So one, you don't necessarily have to actually take lots of days off. Um, We're recording this before a holiday weekend. So theoretically, like you got a three-day weekend. How can you actually take it? Avoid work for a few days, unplug, get permission from your team or your boss and say, I really need to recharge. I'm going to go and spend time with my family. So I think it's asking permission. I think it's being intentional. And I think it's unplugging. And if you're really unable to leave, right? So it doesn't feel like a time off if I'm trapped in my house. I get it. I've been telling people to look for local Airbnbs. There are a lot of them that are hurting very bad as businesses. And so they are on fire sale, right? You can go and find a little place that might be close by, a campsite even, right? You don't even have to worry about any sort of germs or anything like that. But I also know a lot of small Airbnb owners that are willing to do just about anything to sanitize their home because they have no travelers. And for a local person to come and do a getaway there means a lot. So can you find a place that doesn't break the bay, that allows you to recharge your batteries and reconnect with the people you love? That's the question we need to ask. That's, that's my opinion. Would you all add to that? What I like about what you said there, Jay, is it's, you're bringing it back to what's one thing you can do. right? It's, it's redefining what vacation means. Let's get to the purpose of what it's about. It's about connecting. It's about memories. It's about rest. And now based on everything that's going on in your world, what's one thing you can do? My wife and I were talking about it the, the other week and we're looking at this weekend and saying, how do we create a memory here? And we're going to drive to a beach. It's, it's three hours away, but we can do three hours there and three hours back in the same day and avoid an overnight. We're going to get up early. It's going to be lots of fun. I'm going to love my kids screaming in the car. I'm going to enjoy every second of it. And we're still going to create memories. And you're going to have lots of sand in your car. I can't wait. Oh, well, I don't mind. My, it's my wife that's going to have to get, with, get over that one. <laughs> I want to I add to what you said, Jeff, because I think getting in touch with why we take vacations, like what does it do for us? I know that for Brent and I, our big summer vacation was canceled. And it was such a bummer because it, we realized in talking about it that it was more than just getting away on a trip and a vacation. It was really because those vacations are the only time that we really have like committed to spending uninterrupted time together and having new experiences together and exploring like all of that has value. So once you understand that why, you can start to make plans that solve that why while also not having to get get away in a big dramatic way. And so you can come up with a pandemic proof vacation strategy that you can time block that time and you can even adjust as needed as we learn more about what what the future does look like. So I'll just kind of close this off like we're also talking about the bigger blocks like a trip to the beach. You know, your cycling um, trip that you were so looking forward to, Kaylin. And, you know, how do we find replacements for the big ones? I also think as this drags on, just cornering a section of time, right? We talk about the, the third circle and the seven circles of the one thing. The only page I have memorized in that book is personal time. Maybe it's asking for permission just on Saturday mornings to have a few hours to go walk the dog by yourself and listen to an audiobook to um, go someplace outdoors and stretch or exercise and really have you time and recharge time. So there's the big blocks where we really need to unplug. 
But sometimes just really unplugging for a few hours a week and, and knowing that there's no guilt associated with it. Your spouse is like, I've got the kids, you go take care of you. Whatever that is, that self-care time might be even more important right now. I couldn't agree more. It really is. Another great question we had is from Ryan. He said, my team had never worked virtually before and the last few months have been rocky. We're all working twice as hard, but we're disconnected and not always on the same page. I feel like I'm failing as a leader and don't know what to change. How can I bring my team together so we are more productive? Well, gosh, so many of us, Ryan, are facing that question right now. Um, How do we stay connected as a team when we cannot connect in person? And there's two answers, I think, to the question. Um, What I'm seeing a lot of the top businesses we work with, um, people are doing daily huddles, sometimes twice a day. And as a leader, I'm seeing incredible productivity from that, um, that people are actually able to work uninterrupted, Um, If anything, they might be working too much uninterrupted. They need to take more breaks. But I think that on those daily huddles, as a leader, can you give the reins to other people in your group? Can you give someone else on your team an opportunity to lead a daily huddle or to close one so that they're all feeling a little bit more ownership over those meetings versus it just being that thing they have to do? Can you make some of those meetings also be about fun things? Like some of one of the fun ideas I saw is have people on your team find something in their house to share with the team. Because when we have company come over, there's that weird thing that's on your shelf. Well, what's this shelf from? Where's this whatever? And they're the stories that we would naturally tell when we're interacting, giving people a chance to do that. I've seen people do scavenger hunts in their house. So try to bring some fun to it so it's not all... I mean, it could be real doom and gloom if we're just focused on our businesses and our businesses. Largely, a lot of them are struggling. So find some time to also connect with your team. All right, so here's the flip side. And then I'm going to hand it back to you, Jeff and Kaylin, and y'all can opine on what you think the answer is. What you might be seeing too, and this is something that we're discovering as well, is that you're now seeing who on your team is actually engaged and who is not. So it could be you. And there's also a chance that it could be them. And I don't think if it's everyone, it's probably got to do with the situation, right? But if you're not connecting to a few of them, I think that's an opportunity to get on the phone, to have a private conversation and say, how are you doing? I noticed that you're not turning your video on on our calls. I noticed that you're not engaging as much. What's going on and what can we do about it? Um, Sometimes there's something is happening in the background. Maybe people are scared. They're frozen. um, They're unable to connect because they're in a really dark place and they might need your help. And they may be their lack of engagement on your in your team may just be a sign that they need a very personal touch. That's my thought. What I'm seeing, Jay, and this is this has been just from the interaction we've been having with all the people we work with on the corporate training side. COVID and this recession has really exposed a lot. It has, and, and I've really seen it's three things. It's exposed the level of clarity that leaders and people have on what the priorities are. It's exposed how aligned leaders are with their direct reports. And it's really exposed what type of accountability relationships they have. And some questions that you listening to this can, can ask yourself, first and foremost, what do you think the one thing of the business or your team is? Are you clear on that? 
if we had to ask you, what are your top 20% priorities that would generate 80% of the results? What would they be? Would you be able to list them off to us very clearly in order of priority? And then for those of you who are leaders, ask the next questions. If we went to your people and asked them what the one thing of the organization is, what would they say? If we asked them what the priorities were, what would they say? We've been asking these to, to the people we work with. And it, what has become very clear is that with all the changes, most people are not clear on what the one thing is or what their priorities are. They're not clear on what to do when priorities change. They're not clear what to do when I have a one thing and Jay, you have a one thing and they're different, yet we have to succeed together. And because we are no longer physically together, the alignment is being strained. And because we're not clear and we don't feel aligned, we don't feel like as leaders, we have accountability. The result is most people feel like the number of emails they are getting is going through the roof. They feel like the number of meetings that they are having are going through the roof, which is actually undermining the very productivity they seek. So what do you do about it? It's the same tools as they've always been. It's the GPS and the 411. But it's giving yourself permission to revisit your GPS and reset it if you need to. It's looking at your 411 and saying, maybe I can't see through the end of the year and I need to narrow the scope to the next 90 days and have a relationship with those goals. And for those leaders... Making that the backbone of your weekly one-on-one conversation with your direct reports. Yeah, I'd also add to that that remote work is a learned skill. So it's a learned skill for your team that many of them maybe have never done before in any capacity. So this is like jumping in without any handbook on how to do it. And to that point, leading remotely is a learned skill. So figuring out how you can lead... like Take inventory of what are the things that make you a great leader? And what are the things that stand in your way from leading well? And then see how do those translate in this remote world? I can say for myself, like one of the things that makes me a great leader is I get in the trenches with my people. And remotely, that's really worked out because we are in the weeds solving problems together so that they don't feel like they're alone when they may be physically alone in their house doing all that work. So figure out as a leader, like what, how you can show up differently in this remote environment so that you can lead as best you can. And to add to what you said, Jeff, that GPS, so some people might not know what the GPS is. It's our one-page business plan that we use. And for the one thing, we looked at the GPS we had for the year, and then we scrapped what didn't work, and we re- reset that GPS to address the next 90 days. And that gave us a ton of focus, and we all knew how to support each other. So that's a great tool that you can use. It's You can grab it on our website. It's very a simple tool that not only helps you get aligned in your priorities. It helps all of you work together to do the same. And actually, our next question is directly around that near-term GPS. So I'm going to jump in with the next question. Any other ads to that? No, I think we hit it. I think we hit it from all sides, right? We need to the the thing when people are disconnected is they need to understand shared priorities and they need to be communicating even harder. And I'm just I think we've all suggested different ways to do that um, around the tools that we we recommend. So I love that. So Karen, she's asking, what is the rhythm for reevaluating my near-term GPS? Planning feels like a strangely focused picture where the distance images are sharper, but the foreground is still blurry. I know where I'm going, but the path seems too blurry to plan around. Isn't that crazy? Because normally it's the distance stuff is blurry, right? Which is what's like that's a, a powerful question from Karen. And 
I think what we've been playing with, and I know Jeff and Caitlin, y'all been teaching this as well, is that we actually, I think it's an illusion that what you're seeing in the future is blurry. I think we really don't know how this all turns out. I think that in general, we overestimate the short-term impact of big change and underestimate the long-term impact. And so a lot of what you might be seeing in the future, Karen, is a lot more blurry than you think, or it's, a, it's an illusion of clarity. Um, I think we need to look for clarity in the near term. You know, What do we have to do this month? What do we have to do in the next 90 days? And set our targets on the things that we can firmly control. Um, I don't know what industry you're in, Karen, so I don't know how much exact uncertainty there is in the short term. But we have been seeing great results with people taking their annual goals and just saying, look, let's just look at a quarter. Let's just look at a month. And by narrowing their focus to what they can achieve in a shorter gap, they feel like they have more control and clarity over what they need to do. So uh, what would y'all add to that? When you do that, you do become clear on what you should be saying yes to. And the beauty is when you're clear on what you should be saying yes to, suddenly saying no to the other stuff becomes a lot easier. I mean, I look at Kalen, the rhythm that we've been on. We were, we're so clear on what we need to execute on the next 90 days. And we're executing on different things. But even though we are not physically in the same room, where the, the, the quantity of conversations that we are having is lower, do you feel like we are more or less productive than before? I think we've been hugely productive and it's actually brought us closer relationally too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So to recap it, how far out can you see? Can you see 90 days? I know some people that answer is no. Can you see a month? Right? How far can you see? There's no right or wrong. And based on that, get really clear on how, by the end of that period of time, how would you know if you're successful? What is that goal? And in order to achieve that, what are the top major priorities that you'd have to focus on? And who's responsible for it? Who's the one person most responsible for leading that charge? Not that they do it by themselves, but they're the one that wakes up and says, Hey, my one thing is making sure that we accomplish this. And then you continue your normal rhythm of having a relationship with your goals. For those of you that are doing a 411, it's just asking, okay, what are the dominoes I'm knocking down this week to be on track? And having that conversation with your team so that when we then shut down the Zoom meeting and we are in our bedrooms working or wherever you are, you know that you're at least acting in order of priority. You know, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking on Karen's question. And I think that another opportunity there is if things are blurry in the short term, it might be because there's so many competing priorities. So I was thinking about um, whether you're leading a team um, on a team or leading a business, there's so many things that we've had to adapt to in such a short amount of time. Are our finances in order? Are the processes we use to serve our customers, how do they have to change in this environment? And how are they going to have to change going forward? You know, we had to go from in person to digital to possibly some sort of hybrid delivery in the future. We don't know. And that's constantly evolving set of priorities. And again, I think that is about get them all on a piece of paper and then do what we call extreme Pareto. You have all of these competing priorities that might be causing the blurriness. I think that simple exercise of if I can only do one of these this month or whatever that period of time is, which one is it? And then if I got that done and had the chance and the resources to do two, what would be my number two? And suddenly taking all of those things and listing them in priority, 
that's been like one of the best stress relievers of my life is that exercise because now it's really clear what my one, two, and three are. And I also see what everything else looks like. And if we're just knocking off and focusing on the big ones, the top ones, and making progress, the rest of that doesn't have to be clear yet because we know at least we're working on our big priorities. Yeah, Karen, I can relate to the idea of that the crispness and crispness of the vision in the future. And it's for me, it's the results. Like I know the results I want this year. I know what I want to achieve, but the how is the path to get there. And reinventing that path, it it will take a little courage to try things that you don't know if they're gonna work. That's been our experience. Like we're trying new things that we have no idea if the outcomes will actually get us the results we're going for. But we have to try it in order to move forward because if it doesn't work, then we'll learn that that wasn't wasn't the, wasn't a choice that worked. So we're. I guess I've been thinking a lot about the idea of I don't have to know it all, but this opportunity is a great path that I can learn it all. Like everything we're doing, every action we're taking, I am trying to learn every little bit that I can because this will prepare our business for a stronger future from here and beyond. We got a question from Michelle and she says, I'm a parent of a high school senior and I'm struggling to motivate my kid about the upcoming year. They were planning on moving into a dorm and having a typical university of experience, but now that future seems unrealistic. What's one thing I can do to help them decide whether a gap year is a good idea or if we should just cross our fingers, proceed as planned, and hope for the best? Wow, we're definitely proceeding into the unknown here. And I think that what we're about to see is a lot of change in that space. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of people writing about it. It's not just about the near term, when can kids safely return to the classroom, but the amount... I think a lot of people are questioning the college bill when they realize that their child might just be sitting at home in front of a computer and paying that bill. Um, And so there's a lot of questions being asked around higher education. I will say this. I want to take some of the pressure off. Great book that I recommend to lots of young people in my world is The Defining Decade by Dr. Meg Jay. And I thought this book was so full of wisdom. It's a psychologist. She's got a great TED talk on the topic that talks about the first decade um, after college and how important it is um, for young people. And she talked about not gap years, but she used it as a gap year after college. Before you go start charging into getting your, you know, your accounting career, can you go do something? Go volunteer for the Peace Corps. And she referred to that as having building identity capital. And I love that term, identity capital. So a gap year works the same way. Can you choose as a young person to invest in yourself and getting to know yourself for a year in such a way that actually makes you more attractive to colleges and employers in the future? You are growing. I think staying home and playing video games is not an option, right? But if you want to go build some identity capital, that is a fantastic investment. Um, You only come out of that more mature, more self-aware, and more confident in the choices you make. I mean, the difference between a 20-year-old and a 21-year-old is big. Each year, that young in your life, your development is massive. And it's noticeable. And your maturity and your decisions just get better and better. So I just want to take the pressure off. If you're really unconfident about what college will be and whether that's a great investment, I know that Google Trends research shows that gap year um, is, is a trending thing. Just make it an investment. So as a parent, say, great, if you choose to delay college, 
How can we make this a great investment in your identity capital so that people will talk about that Corona gap year and what you did with it? And that'll be a story you'll be proud to tell for the rest of your life. I love that. I've never heard that term before, identity capital. But I, I think about like my experience working with young people and the decisions that they're making. There's so much pressure when you're 18 years old to make these huge decisions that feel so so definite around where it's going to take you in the future. And I think that this is an opportunity to really work together as a family and identify like, what is that typical university experience? Like, what is it out of that experience that you really think is valuable? And what are the things that you can get in the next year that will shape your future in a direction that you're choosing versus just leaning into what will happen? Yep. I love it. I mean, as an employer, I want people with skills, experiences, and knowledge. And those may sometimes translate to a college degree, but a lot of time they translate to life lived. And um, that makes them valuable. That makes them interesting. That makes them fun to work with. So as long as we're building that identity capital, it is a good investment of time. I love that. Our final question is a patchwork of different small questions that I've heard from our community. And it's really... it's. A result of the fact that right now we are all, many of us are living in our homes with a lot of roles collapsed. And we have, um, we're maybe spending a lot more time with our family and our partner than we're used to. Or even so, maybe you've, you're, maybe you're married to a first responder and they're gone. And then when they come, there's less time, but it's more precious. Whatever your experience is, I hope this question maybe resonates and, and can answer some questions that you're having. Says, my spouse and I rarely fight about money, but the last few months have brought up a lot of insecurities and disagreements about our finances. I know the stress of our situation is making everything feel more intense, but I'm in new territory and don't know what to do. How can we get past this? Caitlin, that's a great, I like the way you coupled that together and made it into like a real question. So I love that. And I've actually seen this in private communications with friends. Talking about their relationships, right? It's the sort of thing that's a it's a vulnerable question to ask. So it doesn't surprise me that someone didn't come right out and say it. It's kind of disguised behind a thousand faces. But it is true. A lot of people are feeling insecure about their incomes, right? Their industries. And then small purchase decisions seem to have disproportionate weight. So it is intensified. I know that that's the way it feels for a lot of you. And I think that's also okay to acknowledge that right now. One of the things that um, we as a team have always chosen to cover in our goal-setting retreats, right? And that's our annual event where we try to help couples and individuals and team members and partners get on the same page about where they're going the next year. We always address finances because that is the number one reason couples fight. And I think being on the same page there is a massive opportunity in a lot of relationships. And You might not think you have financial disagreements with your spouse, and they could also just be simmering under the surface because a lot of us were taught not to even talk about it, right? It might be that one partner um, in the relationship carries a disproportionate load, um, and they're in charge of the checkbook or they're in charge of X, and you're not actually having those conversations. So, this is an opportunity. It's just not a really comfortable one. So, Gosh, we could go, I could teach like a whole seminar on this, and we do um, in our retreats. But I do think it starts with an open conversation without judgment. I would like to schedule some time for us to get on the same page about our finances so that when you make a decision to purchase something or I make a decision to purchase something, we both have a sense that that was within the boundaries and it's not creating additional stress in our relationship. 
And there's a series of steps that you would go through. I think, and they're not fun or comfortable, right? This involves math. There's lots of tools online, but do we know um, how much income we actually bring in as a, as a couple? Do we have a strong sense of what our monthly recurring expenses are? Um, the beauty of this period of time is a lot of us are not driving around to restaurants as much, right? A lot of those um, impulse-triggered purchases, if they're happening, they're only happening online. So the record is really there. And we've talked about this before. If you just go through a couple of months of bank statements and credit card statements, um, it takes about an hour or two. You will have a really good sense of where your money is going and how much of it is going there. So are we spending more than we make? Um, That's something as a couple you want to fix if that's true. If you're saving some, are you saving enough to make sure that you feel like you have a cushion for any future shocks? So the next step is, what are we spending and what are we earning? Making sure that that at least balances out. And then I'm going to try to stop it after this next step so we don't go into the full financial course. I think it starts with, do we have one month's reserve? And then can we have three months reserves? And if you're really, really needing security, could we have a larger reserve? A lot of fights about money go away when people acknowledge that they're not overspending and both parties feel like they have some voice and control over that and that they have a buffer against a future shock, some sort of reserves. If someone loses their job, you know, we have three or four months of expenses saved up, we can actually get by. And that makes a lot of problems go away. But it's not a one-time conversation. Um, it's probably a series of them. And I don't know, and Jeff and Kaylin, y'all can speak to your practices, but Wendy and I try to never go longer than a month without having some sort of discussion about our finances and making sure that we're on the same page. And this, this morning, I was thinking about making a purchase for the house. And we debated it for close to 30 minutes to make sure that it was something that we both thought was a good investment and not something that we would regret when this, this crisis was over, right? And it's like, great. But we, we had the conversation. I was prepared to hear no from her. I was the one advocating yes. And if she'd said no, I probably would have brought it up later, but I would have let her have to know. But we had to talk about it because if she saw it on the credit card bill, that could have started a fight. So do we have a process for those decisions and do we have regular conversations? That's, that's where I would start, right? Let's get on the same page. Let's have a process for communicating. That's what we teach in our retreats. Yeah, Brent and I, similarly, we have had a lot of conversations around money. At the retreat is the first time we had like very structured conversations around it. And now we've been doing that for two years. And this year, we set some pretty radical financial goals. And we did some like radical projects like our January. We did like a spend fast where we... Doesn't mean we spent money fast. It means we actually fasted from spending money on anything non-essential. And it was something we did together. And we made our list and we went to the grocery store and we didn't buy anything that wasn't on the list. And that process of making money a project and our finances something that we not only were working towards something, but our day to day actions were aligned and we were working together on it. That was, it's been phenomenal. And then as this crisis hit and everything sort of restructured, we really took a, a Q1 review and we sat down and we just did a lot of math together. And we said, okay, based on what we know now and based on the current economic situation, are there? do we need to change our behavior? Do we have new opportunities? Do we need to, do we need to make a new plan? And it was interesting. We had that conversation and then probably a week later, he told me, I got a new coach. And I was like, wait, hold on. 
that wasn't in the plan. Oh, like he threw me a curveball. And what's interesting is he was having that financial conversation in his brain for months, but he hadn't shared it with me and it just hadn't come up. And so when it came up, we then had a structure for talking about it and him telling me like why it was important and what it was going to do for his, the business and for our other financial goals. And it made sense. So having that structure in place really does make hard conversations so much easier. I can only share what Amy and I have done, which is it comes back to again, when you're clear on what you want to say yes to, saying no to other stuff becomes easier. And when this all hit, I mean, it, it really was a catalyst for having even more intense conversations than we were already having. I mean, we were already looking at net worth on a weekly basis before this. But this just made it really clear that if we wanted to say yes to something, what what was it? What are all the things we wanted to say yes to? We literally put them on the whiteboard in my office. And then we did Extreme Pareto. We ranked them in order of priority. And it was so clear what number one was. And when I then looked... I took about an hour and looked through the bank statements for the last 90 days and was able to show Amy line by line by line where the money had gone. And when all of a sudden new things came up, we it literally was, we'd be out with the kids and she said, let's stop and get food. And I said, okay, that's going to be 25 bucks. Is that more important than 25 bucks toward the trip that you want to take? Is that more important than 25 bucks toward the thing that you want for your backyard? And for her, I felt like she has been, um, we've been more in sync around money just because we are aligned on what we want to say yes to. And if it is not that, it, we really are looking at it as a distraction. But I love the word that you said that I want to highlight is that you made money a project. And a project is something that we share ownership over. And I will say this in a lot of the couples that are doing this, especially in the beginning and maybe forever. One of you may have disproportionate responsibility, but it has to be shared on some level. And that means that regular discussions, some process for how we talk about it, and we talk about it without emotion. I think that a lot of us learned the emotions around money from our childhood, whether you had a lot or a little, how you saw your parents respond to it. And we had to be pretty purposeful in our adult relationships about how we're going to bring new emotions to those conversations. So finding a safe space where people can admit, I don't know the answer, let's find out together. Because a lot of us don't and we fake it because it is an uncomfortable topic. So make it a project. Make sure that both parties have some shared ownership over it. Even if one party is doing more of the work, you're the one that creates the spreadsheets or goes through the bank accounts. Chances are there's one person in the marriage that's better suited to it anyway. But make sure that there is some shared responsibility and there is a regular process for you to come together and discuss it so that as priorities change in situations like you just illustrated, a new coach, like how do we address the fact that our priorities change? And there are new things and we have some, some governors and controls in place. If you buy this, then we're not going to do that. And it's an agreed upon. And I think the thing that you didn't say, Jeff, and I know this about y'all, y'all had some pre-agreements. It wasn't like you were having to negotiate that in the moment per se. And that you were having to... Y'all had agreed like we've got our budget for the week. How we choose to spend it determines where those dollars go. So y'all had a pre-agreement and then you're just kind of working through that. And giving people a lot of grace. Because in my experience, many, many people um, 
haven't invested in learning these habits for themselves, much less as a couple. And give yourself some grace. You're going to skin your knees. Skin your knees. Um, you're going to bump your head. It's gonna. It's gonna be that way. But laugh about it. Make it a project, just like learning to garden or something else. You're going to kill a few plants along the way. But at the end of the day, you might actually have a really nice something that you've cultivated in your relationship that'll serve you for the rest of your life. It is an investment that will pay off for the rest of your life if you make that investment today. You just said something that's important, Jay. I mean, how long in our 411s have we been talking about I think it took us about managing our finances three or four together. months, maybe longer, before I had earned the right for us to have those conversations and those. But once we opened them, um, it's just been a journey. So I'd say at least three years. I mean, I'm not sure when we started them, but it's been a while. And here's why I'm asking this. You know, think big, go small trust the dominoes will fall. I beat myself up for, gosh, over a year. Because in my mind, the mark of success was Amy and I being on the same page and us sticking to a budget. That was too big for a very long time. At some point on the journey, I had to reestablish what, how I would know if I was successful. And that was if we were having the conversation. I beat myself up week after week after week when we busted the budget. And I didn't show up as the best husband possible because I just went into accountability coach mode, which turns out my wife does not want me to be her accountability partner. Shocker. Um, The mark of success was more, could we at least have the conversation? That was a lead domino. Could we at least track where the money went? Could we at least talk about it? And... Over time, that that knocking that domino down has has made other things possible. So wherever you are listening to this, if you guys are really not on the same page and the idea of being on the same page just sounds crazy to you, the path to getting everything you want is to get one thing at a time. So what's the one thing you can do? Such that by doing it, everything else would be easier or unnecessary. And for those of you that are going through our virtual goal-setting retreat series, um, you know that right now you all have access to our goal-setting master course, which the, the, the course that Jay is talking about that we teach at the retreats, that's in the course and it's on demand. So you all, if you've already opted in for that, you have access to that right now and you and your significant other can sit down and start to learn together going through the process. And the course will also help you set your goals for the rest of this year. So you can figure out what is that lead domino when it comes to finances and start having a relationship with that goal. And if you, for those of you who are going, wait, what is this thing? Go to the one thing.com slash set my goals. That's the one thing.com with the number one in the URL onething.com slash set my goals. We've really gone out of our way to make this as accessible to people as possible because we want thousands of you to be able to go through this because it, it, it is the highest way that we can serve you right now. This is already a game-changing year for so many of us. So we really thought, like, what's the one thing we can do for you, our community? And it's to give you access to the tools that can make this an unprecedented year in different ways. We want you to get clarity on the extraordinary life that you're trying to build. So if you want to have an extraordinary life, now is not the time to throw in the towel. 
Now is not the time to call 2020 a wash and wait for 2021 to make it a better year. Time is now. People like us don't wait for the opportunity to come to us. We choose to identify what's the one thing we can do, and we take action on that one thing. Caitlin, thanks again for going and finding some timely questions. I love that. And the theme to me, like I'm trying to look through all of these questions. We're all facing uncertainty. Um, we're all trying to get clarity. And the answer to a lot of them is blocking some time to rethink our vision for what the future held, either on a short-term or a long-term, whether it's for our college-age son or for the next 90 days in our business. And then double down on communication. Right? Are we communicating um, with the people that are inside this circle of our business and our family and our relationships in a way so that we are staying on the same page as things change really rapidly? So, I mean, those are the themes that I heard throughout. And um, I love that if we can help some people through this, that makes me very happy. Yeah, you can also have these conversations without having the answers. We can just say, you know, I've noticed like money, money feels stressful right now. Have you, is that true for you too? So don't feel the pressure to know the answers because we all are facing a lot of questions that we're coming up with question marks, you know? And so just be, have some grace with yourself and really just open the conversation because that is the beginning of what will move you forward. Love it. I love it. Take them off the hook, right? Nobody, anybody who says they have all the answers right now is fooling themselves um, because the answers are changing. So asking the question, right, is the most important thing right now and asking it together with these people inside your business, inside your family. I love that answer, Kaylin. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, Jeff. Well, there you have it. Our conversation with Jay Papazan, co-author of The One Thing and Kaylin Less about the questions that you're asking, the things that are on your mind. Folks, genuinely, you are our one thing. The reason we do what we do is we want to help you better invest your time so you can achieve extraordinary results. And what Kaylin said at the end is, is really true. This is not a year that we just cross off and say, I'll do better next year. We do not throw in the towel. People like us don't do that. In the moments when the priorities change, when the world changes, we sit down, we seek clarity as far out as we can. And once we have clarity on what those priorities are, we have a relationship with those goals. We focus. And like Jay said, it's having the constant communication, doubling down on communication, which is why doing this process with the people who are vested in your success matters, whether that's a significant other, whether it's your team, business partner. And if you just want to do it yourself, do it. The smallest domino that you can do is just block some time to do this yourself. And like we mentioned, the highest way that we can serve you right now is by shepherding this process for you for the rest of the year. So if you would like to see what it looks like to, to go on this journey with us and have us facilitate it for you, go to the onething.com slash set my goals. That's with the number one in the URL, the onething.com slash set my goals. As we've had this conversation, I can't help but think about the other people in our lives who really matter to us, who are, who are struggling as well. And I'm wondering, how can we bring them on this journey? How can we not just make this about the conversation with our significant other or our team, but how can we uh, take the people, our friends, the rest of our family on this journey? Would you share this episode with them? Start to have the conversation and see what comes of it. 
And if you are new to the One Thing Podcast, welcome. We release a new episode every single week. If you would like to make sure that those get downloaded to you automatically, just click the subscribe button on your podcast player. And while you're at it, would you consider leaving us a rating and review? It really does help us reach more people and live our purpose of helping people better invest their time so they can achieve extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. We look forward to being with you in the next episode.